This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. Yo, what's going on, people? Welcome to the Miles Mikulski podcast, where we talk to some of your favorite artists and talk all things music-related, mainly hip-hop, but, you know, we might have to fling in a few things along the way. If you enjoy any of the content, make sure you follow me on socials at Miles Mikulski. Basically, it's in my name. If you're listening to it right now, you'll be able to see my name right there. I ain't going to spell it out because that's kind of long still. But follow me on socials to keep updated on who the next guest will be in the future. Anyway, without further ado, let's get into another episode of the Miles Mikulski podcast. All right, what are you saying, man? You good? I'm good, I'm good. How are you? I'm not too bad. It's just living life in lockdown, man. Got the full beard going on. Ain't shaved it. <laughs> Listen, if it was up to me, I would do the exact same. I'd, I'd have like a proper grizzly. Like it was it was a bit mad at the start of lockdown. I was like, nah, my brother's going to have to learn to cut hair because this just isn't it. Listen, me. It's, it's mad, but like you get to a certain point where there's hair in your food and you just give up. Because <laughs> you know, like, obviously, if you see, like, there's some, like, long blonde hair there, yeah, you're like, nah, this is a bit dead, you know, like, I can't deal with that. But when it, this, you're like, you know, it, it is what it is, that's the point. What's going on, people? This is the Lockdown Sessions, Miles here, and joining me is a very talented R&B soul, emo- like, an artist that will get to your emotions, with the music, yeah? It's it's not just a quick R&B tune to keep it moving, it's... Baby OI, but notes that we can't even say. Or I can't <laughs> say. You know what I mean? It's the, the pitches, the inflections. We take it to new levels. Introduce yourself for the people. Um, what's up? I'm Vincent Darby, uh, and I'm honoured to be here talking to you. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, 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 set, I set it quite high, and I can't lie to you. We, we, we took it quite high already. <laughs> I didn't know how to continue it on from that point. I was like... Listen, listen if you was to raise the bar higher, then I'd be like, hmm, big-headed. Hmm. You know I mean? <laughs> it's my job to it's my job to gas you. you know what I mean, you have to just gas yourself when it comes to singing. That's, that's what you got to do. Exactly, man. That's my job. So let's talk about it. Because how long have you been making music for? Because I know you've been doing stuff from a very very young age. We're going to talk about Flo Rida in a little bit, but yeah, we have to talk about that. I've been making music now since I was probably about sixteen. So like the bulk of the music now that's out was yeah. made when I was when I was about sixteen. Say so, so four years ago now. Okay, um, but. As you said, like, I've been doing music for a while now. Like, mm. um, well, I've been performing for a while, but I've taken it seriously, like, in the last four years. Yeah. So, like, literally since I was, like, 16. 15, 16 was when I started taking it, like, yo, this is potentially something I could do, like, yeah. for the rest of my life. Uh, but before, it was just something that I just loved to do. So, it was a little bit different back then. So, the origins for you, because a lot of people, is like, church, or it's just, they might listen to, like, a certain artist that they like. Where did it all start for you? It's a weird one because, I mean, I grew up, I didn't even grow up in the church and I really wish I did. Like, if 
I mean, technically, I grew up in like the Kingdom Hall, so like my family, Jehovah's Witness. Okay. okay. So um, I I grew up. I used to go to Kingdom Hall every now and then. I, I wasn't really a big fan of it, but yeah. like I grew up literally just listening to like R and B, reggae stuff like that, and just copying what people did. But the one thing I did have like as a kid, yeah, I always used to watch Sunday Best. Okay. Which on a BET, so I used to love that. Yeah. But, um, so yeah, cable from yeah. young age. Yeah, you're you're living the high life. Well, well, my grandparents had cable from the young age. <laughs> listen, listen, listen. It is what it is. It is what it is. But uh, yeah, BET Sunday Best was where it was at, man. Sundays around my grandparents. It was serious, man. But, mm. but yeah, I kind of, I grew up listening to like a lot of R and B, lot of reggae as a kid. So it was just something for me to copy read more than anything. And I I remember I got. Remember Sing Star on PS2? Oh my days! Oh yeah. my days! I got Sing Star, and I Yo. remember um, Falling, and my boo was on there, and I just I used to I was obsessed with Alicia Keys at a young mm. age, so I used to always sing them, always, and Usher, all of them. That was that was my thing. That was wait. So 2004 Confessions album is it one of the best R&B albums of all time? That was the first album I ever bought. First Bad. album I ever bought. Yo, I, I was... promise you, yeah. Mm-hmm. Serious. Bad. I was four years old. Yeah. But that was like maybe not me personally, but I remember asking for it. Yeah. And yeah. I remember like taking it round to like my my dad. So like I mix. So like my my mom's size Jamaican and my dad's yeah, yeah. size white. Okay. Um let's just say that Confessions album didn't go down too well with the white side of the family. <laughs> but the black side of the family was like, yo, oh, like getting into you know what I'm saying? Listen, but, at, at that time, yeah, that was that the biggest thing that was going on, though, like cheating allegations. But I'm yes. not going to lie, it's mad because out of the greatest, like, shame slash pain, and obviously we can say, let's call it an entanglement as a sign of the times. <laughs> <laughs> like, we got one of the best R&B albums because, let me not lie, I'm exposing my age now. So I was 11 when that came out, right? Yeah. I'm 27 now. And that, I was in America when the album dropped, didn't it? Yeah. And the energies was nuts. Like, I saw girls, some girls were, like, ripping up pictures of Usher. And I was like... <laughs> I, but, but does burn bang though? It does. You know what I mean? Does, does truth hurt? It does. Even yeah, which is a, like a club song, it still bangs and the meanings mm. is all still there. But Everything on that album. 10-10. Mm. But I know that, like Alicia Keys was obviously on that. That was a bonus track. That wasn't actually on Confessions, the main one, right? Yeah. But why, why was Alicia Keys something that you gravitated towards? I really don't know. There was something about the soul in her voice that I just mm. loved and like the, the, the mix of like the piano and the soul. It was just... It was special to me and it was just like I just love to hear her sing like I remember I literally can remember the first time watching the music video to um is it you don't know my I think it's you don't know my no nah, it wasn't that you don't there know the name an, is the one they have that interlude bit with like the coffee or the milk or something yeah yeah, yeah, nah, yeah. it was the one where she's walking down the street and it's snowing I, I remember that video for some I reason I don't know why I remember that video yeah but I just remember her walking down the street in like New York and I feel like she's playing the keys in the snow mm-hmm. it might have been um if I ain't got you I think it's if I ain't got you this is the one that was we gotta do research posts we gotta know you gotta oh, find I know, out I know I'm yeah. pretty sure it's if I ain't got you but I remember just being obsessed with it I was like what this is just incredible mm. and then I was just like I just got really heavy in like Alicia Keys and that soul and like you know like Destiny's Child people like that and then obviously Usher um, but I got I was really lucky to grow up as well like listening to a lot of older R&B stuff so like um, you know like Teddy Pendergrass Luther oh, Pendergrass nice. okay yeah you don't hear Love these names often still one of my <laughs> Let <laughs> KO is one of my favourite songs man they're just that rasp in his voice and the start it's just what mm. and then you know like 
all of them old sounds like Marvin. I was really exposed to all of that as a young kid. Yeah. So it was like, I, I could kind of always blend in like that new school with the old school of R&B because I feel like me, I grew, I was born 2000. Yeah. So like, I was, I feel like I'm the very last generation of like, mm. I had the, the all right-ish TV in the, as a kid and I had the good music yeah. that I can remember. Yeah. And then it switched and it just turned into what it is like. It left, it departed. Like, yeah, but, it I, like, like, I always looked at it, yeah, literally, peace. Like, <laughs> I looked at it because I just thought, all right, for where I am, I'm looking at it like, cool. If you're born after 2000, it's a bit shaky for you when it comes to the, the wider appreciation yeah. of stuff. But if you've got like influences, like what you said, listen, you're naming people that some people my age, older than both of us, I don't even know who that is. Do you know what I mean? Their entry point might have been Usher or who's in before? Yeah. Maybe TLC. We'll go for that. Yeah. Do you know what I'm TLC, saying? Yeah. Yeah. So, SWV, all of them guys. Listen. Like them serious, the girl groups, man. Yeah. That listen. was the thing, man. The 90s and the 80s, the girl groups and the music then. It's mm. like my mum used to live in uh, New York. Yeah. So it's like, she, she would like always show me like the songs. I remember like, it's, it was incredible to be honest, like to be, because I have an older brother. So it's like, again, I feel like that would change me quite considerably oh, yeah, if yeah. I didn't, because I also grew up like with his kind of music taste. Yeah. So it's like, I grew up with that as well. And like being like one of the youngest grandkids. Yeah. It's like, we were really tight knit. So it's like my older cousins, like my one cousin's like 30, dude, I was like 20, 26. So it's like, there's a big, like I was always exposed to what they was listening to as well, yeah, yeah. which kind of, to me, brought me a little bit closer to the 90s side of 2000s. I hear that. So it's yeah. like, I feel like growing up like that, boy, it's true what you say, 2000s, because there's some 2000s that I could, I could mention, like, I don't know, um, God. like Bell Biv Bobo or someone, and they'll be like, huh? Yeah, yeah. Or like, New Edition, and they go, huh? And I'm like... But you know, you know what it is, right? With, I, I, I could kind of allow it, just a little bit, because you think about the landscape of R&B, yeah, in the last, say, five years, say, 2000, let's say 2015, it was, yeah. R&B was kind of dead. It was so deeply incorporated into, like, hip-hop or yeah. rap or whatever, that it's only since maybe, like, 2016, 17, where we started to see people from the UK, like yourself, and even across, like, you know, like, Jacquees and Tory Lanez mm. do more of that stuff. So I can understand that, though. What do you think? Yeah, no, 100%. I think that it's, it's very relevant what you said like so you say 2015 i remember like i remember the jacquees is is it queemixes that you always used to do on like soundcloud yeah yeah like i remember them being serious mm. and it was like that was at that point it was like r&b had almost just disappeared it was like this non-existent non-existence it was weird and it was like the only kind of r&b that was there was like this soulful like this female crying R&B, if that makes sense, like yeah, the Jasmine yeah. Sullivan's that never really reached that mainstream, which was kind of sad, man, because it's like, I it's like Jasmine Sullivan and people like that, and like Kay Michelle and people like that was just, they were really, really pushing down that boundary for R&B. And it was like, Miguel really as well. Miguel was incredible, but Yo, Miguel, it's like he yeah. didn't really blow until, well, he blew, but he didn't. It was weird. And then like mm. you say 2015 came and then I remember he released, oh, I think it might have been Wild Heart, that album. And yeah. I was like, yo, this is, this is what is needed for R&B. And I remember going to see him live and being like, yo, that is one of the best shows I've ever seen in my life. Mad. Because, you know, I, that was the one ever. album. What, what was the song off the albums? I think 
I like the Kaleidoscope Dream was was a sleeper album. Like loads of people liked that after. But Wild Heart, what was off Wild Heart? Oh Kaleidoscope Dream. Yeah. Um Coffee was on Wild Heart. Uh, okay. okay. I'm trying to think of the other songs. Because I was obsessed with that album, so like I could probably go and like hammer that album. Um, there was mm-hmm. there was a few songs on there. There was one called like Destinado Amor, which would like people didn't really know, but it just had this. He was like speaking Spanish in it, yeah, yeah. and it was just it was just like proper. And then I remember um, Hollywood Dreams, was, but I think the lead song off that was Coffee, like the one that's like Coffee in the Morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know that one. I don't wanna murder. That was so good, but it it's like. It really took for like Miguel, really, and then like you have like, the weekend, obviously, at the same time, like who was coming yeah. up after like the House of Balloons era, yeah, the into, like, this, yeah into this heavy RB, like contemporary pop. I mean, obviously, you still had like the heavyweights like Beyonce, but I feel like they like, they went into this pop, yeah, pop more, yeah, right? 100%. I mean, we could end up having this conversation for a long time, but we need to talk about you, that's why you're here in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I've learned a lot at the same time because for me, my main like growing up was like what Lil Wayne, Fifty Cent, Fifty Get Rich or Die Trying was the first album I bought at like ten, so I was even mad with that. But let's talk about you and Baby OI the EP, yeah. right? It was a great art. So you obviously had Baby OI, which was the song, which was dope, very very dope, Thank and you. then we had the EP that came out with that. So. In this, that came out last year, that was 2019. And then you had a song that yeah. came out recently, which is what, Still Here We Are? Or Yeah, 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 yeah. Where do you see yourself at your career point at the moment? Do you see yourself as someone who's up and coming? Do you see yourself as well-established in... Are you still in Birmingham at the moment, or are you somewhere else? Yeah, yeah, still in Birmingham, yeah. So in that landscape, where do you see yourself? Um, I definitely see myself as up and coming. I wouldn't say that I'm like well-established, because I know there's people out here that have been running this for a while. Yeah. Um, I think truth be told as well, Birmingham is obviously the city that I love. It's the city I'm from. Yeah. But R&B isn't necessarily the, the forefront of this city. Mm. I think that that's, that's just a fact to anyone that's here. I think that right now, the forefront of this city is like rap yeah, right now. Like JK. Um, yeah, yeah you got JK, Tana, Mist. You've got, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. um, one million, like millions and people like that. It's like, you've got these people who are pushing this boundary. But it's like, for me, I'm not doing that. Mm-hmm. Like, and I wouldn't even say that I'm on the level yet. It's a crazy one. I think that really and truly, I would class myself as up and coming yeah. more than anything. I wouldn't say that I'm established quite yet. I think I've been doing it for a bit, but I also did take a lot of time out, like from the ages of like 10 till 16. Yeah, I was like, no, I'm doing school, focusing on school completely. I still practice, but I never took it serious. I was, yeah. I was like, you know, I wouldn't. I was never really like going studio or stuff like when I know that a lot of people my age was. Yeah. Um, but I was like, I know for a fact that if I'm going to do this as a career, I need to know everything, the ins and outs before I even attempt to go into that as a career. I That's do. what I did. And then really and truly it's, we, I finished school at 18 yeah. and the, the amount of things that has happened between two years ago to now, it's, it's it's incredible. It's yeah. actually incredible. It's like I said to a manager, it's like as close as overnight as it could be. Like yeah. last year I toured America. Like nice. there's not many artists at the age of 19 that can say they've done a 38 straight tour of America. It's like, that's, that's mind blowing to be able to say that I've done that, but I would still definitely class myself as a boom coming. So let's, let's talk about that comparison because like you said, Birmingham 
is rap based. I would say, to be honest, I think the UK at the moment is rap based. Um, yeah. I think across most, most major cities, like if you look at Manchester, it's going to be H, mm. London, yeah. Stormzy, AJ Tracy, yeah. names going forever, whatever. But I think the fact that you've been able to go to America and when I listen to your music, I don't, you know, sometimes when, when people, they have like an accent or something like that, you can kind of tell, okay, like Mike Lowry, when you hear them sing, you do not know where they're from. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And like, when I listen to you and then I hear you speak, obviously the, the, the Brum accent isn't strong, strong. Yeah, I've met some people with strong, strong rub accents. And I've been like, it should be stronger than this. Believe me, this is like me toning it down because technically, yeah. I live like in the black country. Okay, so like you know Dudley. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, shall that's, I tell you that's, the only reason why I know Dudley though, because of the the vicar. No, it's not the vicar of Dibley. That's no, terrible. Dibley. L. But no, she's <laughs> Lenny Henry. That was her white her husband. Yeah, yeah. Like in real life, Dawn French's husband, yeah, yeah. Lenny Henry. He's from he he's like not family friends, but a friend of my friend's uncle. Okay, so he's like. I'm from around that area, so my accent should definitely be stronger than what it is. Listen, you, listen, it is what it is, isn't it, at that point? Like, yeah, touring America, so doing something like that. Do you feel more love and reception from, you know, an outside the UK fan base or inside the UK? Um, I'll be honest. I feel like right now that it's very, it's very equal. I think that it is extremely equal. I think yeah. that America, at the end of the day, is obviously more of an R&B market. Mm-hmm. I think that's just a fact. Yeah. Um, but it, it's crazy because it's like I actually toured America before I'd done a show in England. Mm. Like, it's nuts, it's nuts. Which is weird. I literally done a show, I literally, I came home in December, done yeah. a show in Birmingham, which was the first show I'd ever done in England. And then the next day I was on a flight to New York. But I definitely think that in America does have this love for R&B that England doesn't quite have yet. Mm. But I think that, the thing is about England is, is that it's just got to take the right person to push that boundary. It's like the same way with rap. It's like rap didn't have that until yeah. it did have that. And that's exactly what I'm going to be because we have right now, the R&B scene in England mm-hmm. has these pillar people. It has these key people that everyone knows, like Georgia Smith, yeah. Mahalia, for example. Yeah. Yeah. And both of these girls are technically local girls. Like Georgia Smith's from Warsaw. Mahalia's yeah. Leicester and like Birmingham as well. Like she went to the same school as me. Like, okay. I've known Mahaley for a while. So it's like, it's, it's got to take, a, like, there'll be a push. And when the push happens, it's going to tumble. And I really do want to be the person to make that tumble. Mm. Because England has honestly, especially it's spending time in America and spending time in England. Yeah. Seeing that the, the caliber of R&B artists in England, honestly, is on par, if not better than America. Like, the vocals, like, look at like someone like Sinead Harnett, Mm. Like people like that, it's like these people like Sinead Harnett, yeah, is on par to someone like JoJo. Like, and no one can tell me nothing about that one. Like, she's incredible. Yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna say anything, I'm not gonna count at that point. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. she's on par, and it's like these people in England, we just gotta have that one person who is representing R&B, just soulful R&B, just straight up going, yo, this is R&B made yeah, from yeah. England. The same way someone like Sade did. The same way that someone like, I don't know, like Soul to Soul or Loose Ends had that flag of, yo, we're British. Yeah. This is the British scene of music. Yeah. This is what we are doing. And this is it on a global platform. From my personal travels and experience, you go to America, you might hear maybe a Stormzy song every now and then. It's not the same as what it is over here. Whereas like, I would hear Georgia Smith on the radio in America. Yeah. Because that was their thing. Like R&B is the thing in America. 
but we just need that one push in England to completely rearrange what it is. Do you know what it is? Like, I think, because I, what you're saying, I had the same thoughts for, for a long time, innit? And I've seen it because sometimes in the UK we get mad excited and think, oh, we're the best scene in the world. It's like, nah, you're a ripple in a very big ocean when you think about the grand scheme of things. But I think with the R&B, I think it's going to take some time because we're seeing this whole R and drill thing going on or drilling R&B, that collaboration mm. thing happening at the moment. And that will open people up more to R&B. But from the R&B side of things, like you and a lot of the contemporaries, I think people need the record. Because so many times in the past, we've seen a lot of R&B singers compromise their sound, whether they go mad poppy or they do like the dance track, like a Duke Jamon or something like that. And by the time you come back to what your sound mm. is, people don't want to hear that. So it's finding yeah. that song that can kind of win everyone over. Because like you said, people are going to hear Georgia Smith, especially because of the Drake collab- um, link-ups as well, with More Life when that came out a couple of years back. So people are going to be more gravitating towards that anyway because she's seen as kind of a mm-hmm. natural treasure. But for someone like you, Mahalia, because Mahalia's doing well as well, um, but someone like you as well, I think it's just getting that song, which I think you've got some in the catalogue that if you like R&B, you're going to like. But I think, yeah. is it something conscious in your mind where it's like, I want everyone to see how good I am through my music, but I haven't got that key killer song that's going to make everyone pay attention to me just yet? Or do you think you already have one? Oh, no, I've definitely got it. Believe okay, me. That's, that's. There's, there's a lot, like, I have that. There's no two which way about it. Like, and mm. I'm not saying that even from like a cocky standpoint. I'm saying that from like an industry standpoint of people who have been in this industry, both in America and in England, because yeah. I'll, be, I'll be truthful, like I've met up with people in the industry, both sides of the Atlantic. Yeah. Um, and I'll be honest, England, R&B, they don't really understand what it is, but this particular song was like, as my management team would put it, is the silver bullet because it was the song that would get me the attention from these people in the other offices. Yeah. Like I would be sat in one office playing this song and people would walk past and come in the room and be like, yo. So it's like, I know I've got it, but it's all about the right timing and it's about developing to that yeah. point and making sure that nothing is premature. I just think that when things are ready, it'll be ready and you can tell by like everything that's going on. Because for me, it's like everything's fallen into place really well Yeah. so far. So I believe that it will happen when it's supposed to happen. Yeah, well, I think being independent allows you that freedom because, mm. like you said, especially if you signed, I think how it's going to go for you at the moment is I think you're going to get a record that's just going to blow and do an absolute madness in America and you're going to see it kind of trickle over into the UK because that's what yeah, I've same. seen with so many people who are British, they'll do stuff and then it comes back to the UK later. Even, listen, even just Elba, like you think about him, most people didn't know he was from the UK five, ten years ago because of the wire and all that stuff, but then it comes back. Mm. On the other side of things, Young T and Bugsy have gone out to America with Don't Rush. We heard that song in November last year. They've got Buster Rhymes and Baby on the remixes, which came out during lockdown. So having that exportable song is going to work perfectly. I mean, is that a song that's, that's coming out, right? Or that's not a song that's already out? It's something that will come out. It's oh. something that's not out yet. I'm thinking it's it was not a song out yet. That's- that's deep, because I was going to go, go Spotify go real quick and listen to the song after. But the thing is now is, to be honest, mm. I mean, I'm talking from my personal point of view. Yeah. Now, if you want to talk about what's actually going on in the world right now, the song that I've just released, Still Here We Are, that's yeah. actually doing better than I ever expected it to do in the Caribbean. So it's yeah. been added to like mainstream radio in the Caribbean. I've nah. done like massive t- like TV talk shows in the Caribbean. Sick. I've got interviews in like Zimbabwe. Okay. Like Africa's like 
just eating it up. Yeah. And it's like, I'm not, you know, this isn't even the song that I thought would be the song. Yeah. So it's like, I'm fully anticipating for the song that I think to be the song to be the song. And it's like America as well. Love, like, especially the Caribbean, the Caribbean side of it yeah. is, is really, really, is really, really going for this song. Still here we are at the minute, which is beyond my wildest dreams because this is a song I wrote when I was 16, okay. made when I was 16 and only put out like a month ago. Yeah. And I've already done so much with it. Let's talk about why it's hit with, you know, places in Africa and the Caribbean. Like what, what have some of the people said to you that's, you know, been the reason why it's hit so heavy with them? A lot of people have said that, especially in Jamaica, for example, yeah. um, they've, they've said that it's refreshing to see that the, the R and B reggae ish like esque culture yep. is still alive. For example, it's like I got like I literally done a uh, interview with this radio station called One Hundred Five Fire, which is like a huge Caribbean radio station. Yeah, and they're like responsible for breaking people like coffee. Oh, sick. and I'm yeah, doing yeah. the interview with this guy, and this guy is putting me in the same category as these people, and I'm like, what? Like he's saying like That's coffee, it. like Lila Ike and Savannah and people like that. And, and he said my name, because obviously I'm half Jamaican. Yeah, so yeah. for this guy to be at this high level, to be the guy who's like pushing people like Chronics and Coffee and all of these people from Jamaica yeah. for that. And then to be mentioning me was incredible. And then for me to be doing radio state, like interviews with like the biggest radio stations in the Bahamas, Barbados, the biggest like channels across the Caribbean that goes mm-hmm. out to like 27 countries and the whole of the East Coast. I've done an interview Sunday with one of the biggest reggae shows in New York. Man. And it's like, it, it's, to me, it just feels so surreal. And it's like, I was doing um, like the radio shouts, like, you know, like the I'm Vincent Darby and you're listening to yeah, yeah. all of these. And it's, it was funny because one of the ones that I'd done it for was Chris FM. And I remember listening to that as a kid and it just <laughs> made me laugh. And it was like, I was literally in Birmingham buying some clothes the other day. Yeah. And I had like 30 messages on my phone. I was like, yo, what have I done? Like, have I accidentally uploaded <laughs> something I shouldn't have done? Yeah, yeah, it was just videos of my friends literally sending me videos of me on the radio. And I'm like, what? Like, this was like my friends all up and down the country. This wasn't just isolated. This was yeah. like people in London, people in Manchester, people in Birmingham, people all over. We're like, yo, bro, you're on the radio. Like, you're actually on the radio. And I'm like, oh, like I'm <laughs> freaking out. Because before I was on the radio with Baby OI, mm-hmm. on Radio One Extra, yeah, and it's like I knew when that was going to be played, so I would listen to the shows. But yeah. this, I had no idea, so it was like a shock to me because I was not expecting it. So mm. it, it's crazy to see that it's the dial is moving. Yeah, but as I say, I just genuinely think that there's a song out there that's going to be the one. But for me right now, I think everything that I do is very similar in terms of quality control. I make sure that everything I do is yeah. to the best of the ability. Yeah. And that's what's important. You know what? Like, with the success of the song, are you kind of... Because it's getting picked up by, like, reggae and it's getting picked up by those audiences. Are you kind of thinking about making more reggae-infused music because it's got such success? Or are you just going to be like, look, I'm just going to part of my music and wherever it picks up, it picks up? Um, A little bit of both. I mean, I'm definitely always down to make more reggae-centric music yeah. because I think that what's important right now is like the the contemporary R&B, the, the contemporary reggae story that's coming out of Jamaica yeah. where it's got this infliction of reggae, but it's not necessarily this 
old school Beanie Man reggae. It's oh yeah, like yeah, yeah. It's, of course, yeah. It's this this like island vibe, if you get me. Like it's something that's that kind of transcends a little bit differently. And I'm always down for that. Like, and I have more songs like that. But it's like, for example, it's like I first place I ever worked was Jamaica. Like recording was in Jamaica. Sick. So it's like okay. when you're in that place, you you're instantly gonna absorb the culture of the place you are yeah so if it happens it happens i'm not against it i mean i'm not gonna lie to you you had a you had a fantastic journey you know like i'm happy to all this stuff that you're hearing because you know when you hear the music and stuff like that a lot of people are gonna think okay our vincent's you know up and coming and obviously we had that conversation we had that bit but when they listen to this or that you speak to other people and you start saying i've done this 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 people look at you in a different light they'll be like like, we can't mess this guy around. This guy is, is, a, mm-hmm. is seasoned in his own right. Do you know what I mean? So, I mean, for you, I, I don't like asking these questions because sometimes people don't know. So if someone asks me a question, I don't know. Don't worry, it's not a tough question. It's not a bad one. It's just five-year plan, right? Where do you see yourself going? Where's the heights or some of the things that you want to you wanna be on or be doing or, or win an award or what do you want to do? I hope to have made a bit of history by then. Okay. I hope to have changed the music industry in England around R and B by then. Nice, nice. I five years, twenty five. I was say no pressure. I want to at least headlined a couple major festivals. Yeah, at least because there's a few in the bag that I want to do. Because I want my thing really and truly is about creating history. Yeah. I'm not really. I'm not one of them people that's. I'm not. Not that I'm not against like doing like things and winning awards. Yeah. yeah. But I don't know. I feel like if you're going to do something, do your all at it and go all the way with it. Yeah. Like, so for example, it's like, I want to win, like one of my biggest goals is to win 12 Grammys on one night because the most ever won is 11. Mad. Like, I want to one people, like, I want to be that, I want to be that person to be like, oh, you went 10 a reef, I went 11 a reef. But not in like a fucky <laughs> way, like with everything yeah. I do, just yeah, to yeah. prove that if I'm going to put my all into something, everything's going to be the rewards and yeah. prove to other people like me and like every other black person in England or wherever to prove that, yo, you can do this even if you were the underdog at one point. Like, yeah, even yeah. if you didn't get the respect that you were deserving of, even if you put in all these hours, you've done, you done all these flights, you met all these people and people in your own back garden, if you like, don't respect you the way that yeah. other people do, doesn't stop you from winning anything. Like, and I want to be that person for other people because I, I'll be like, for me, Stormzy was that kind of that person. Like when I saw him headline Glastonbury, like, I mean, mm. I never went to Glastonbury, but I watched it and yeah. it was, that was incredible for me to see him being the first black British male to ever headline Glastonbury. Mm. It was like, that was mind blowing. And that was something for me that really like, not that I needed it, but it's nice pushed to see me in another yeah. direction to be like, yo, that's what I want to be doing. That's where I want to be going. Yeah, we've seen stuff like that. Stormzy doing what he did. And then obviously, hopefully, with this five-year plan being executed correctly, you do what you're going to do. It's going to be nice and refreshing to see because it's, it's about time. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan of rap. I'm a fan of trap music and all this stuff. But I like my alternative. I like my R&B. I like my soul music. And sometimes you need to be in your feels for a bit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's going to be a good transition to see. So fingers crossed. We can make that happen. Well, I say we, like I'm part of your management team. Because <laughs> because you can make that happen. Simple as that. But let's talk about this uh, Flo Rida thing, right? 
the performance back age nine, so 11 years ago. So that was what, 2009, right? Yeah. And uh, this, this is like your chop card. This is one of them, like, everyone sit around the table, tell a story. This is your key story. So let's talk, yeah. talk us through it. I'm not even going to explain the story. Just explain it for us and let's talk about it. Okay, so basically I loaded some videos on YouTube when I was about eight. And they can't, they got, can't, my mom, my mom was like speaking to people, like she was just talking to people in general. Yeah. And she came across someone who was like a record producer or like a record manager or something. And she was like, oh yeah, my son does this and my son does that. Showing him videos. He was like, oh yeah, like getting down to London. Yeah. Bear in mind at this point, I'm eight. I've never been to London in my entire life. And like, I was one of them weird kids as a kid, like where like, if I got too excited, I'd be sick. Like, you know, like dogs when like, they get excited. Yeah, yeah. I was that kid. So my mum didn't tell me until the night before. So like, no. I couldn't like be overhyped. Um, I went down to London, met with these people and I was going back and forth. I was meeting up with different people. We were talking about different things that they would do. Yeah. Um, and then I remember, obviously my mum was having conversations with these people. I wasn't privy to everything because I was eight. But what happened was, I remember the day because my mum, so I'm, I live in a really white area, like yeah. my, where I live is really white. So I was at primary school and I remember my mum, I remember being the last person to get picked up and I was embarrassed because like, yo, the only black person and my mum's late. Like, this is, <laughs> this is, you couldn't write it. Like I was irritated and my mum was like, oh, really, I'm sorry, but I was on the phone. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, what? She goes, it's these, the, the people in London mm. that asked if you want to uh, be the open app for Flowrider. I looked at my mum and said, what? It's a bit mad. <laughs> and she went, yeah. And I was like, nah, I, what? And she's like, yeah. She goes, do you want to do it? I said, yes. And then literally I remember it was so surreal because obviously I was nine. And I remember the highlight of the day was like, I got to go leave school early. Mm. I felt like a celebrity. Jeez. I mean, oh my gosh, it was incredible. But I literally got to the O2 Academy. I sound checked, which was again a really weird thing to do as a kid yeah i performed and i remember literally after i performed i was sat in the i was like literally at the very front of the barriers and i remember literally out of nowhere just getting picked up and being pulled across the barrier and being sat like literally the other side of the barrier and yeah. literally just i was like two meters away from flow rider mm. and i was like what and it's like they said to me i was like do you want to go meet him do you want to go meet him and again i was that weird kid that would be sick <laughs> if he was too excited so i was like nah don't want to do that one. Right. I don't want to be sick. <laughs> yeah, that was that was like incredible to be able to have done that at nine. So I sang "Falling" by Alicia Keys, and it it still is probably the most crazy thing. And it's like again when I was like out in America and I was telling these people that was like, oh my god, he's so nice, isn't he? And I'm like, I didn't actually meet him. I was too scared. <laughs> but it was yeah. it was honestly the most incredible thing that I've. I've even to this day, like, I mean, I've done a couple more support acts. Like, for example, when I was in Canada, mm -hmm. I um, opened up for Alessia Cara, which okay, was, yeah. again, incredible. That was still, and I reckon that will always probably be the most incredible thing that I'll ever do just because of the fact I was nine. Yeah. And it was just, it was incredible. Like, it was genuinely the most incredible thing. And it was like, to be stood on a stage, knowing that what you want to do is sing and be there and then, like, looking out. And I remember... The same people the day, like literally after I performed, I was like, oh, there's another show uh, next week, Wednesday. Do you want to do it? And my mom was like, I don't know whether we'd be able to do it. And it was for the game. And I was like, Man. I was like, oh, I can't, I, won't, I wasn't able to do it because it wasn't in Birmingham. I think that was in London. It was just like getting back. It was just, yeah. 
It's really like a two, mess. two and a half, like three hour journey, right? Yeah, and especially yeah. when like you're nine years old and you got school first thing in the morning. It was yeah, just, it wasn't really practical. <laughs> Whereas mm. like the Birmingham thing was kind of cool. Like, I remember there was a few teachers that came through, um, a few friends. It was, it was honestly, it was incredible. Yeah. But nine doing that was mad. Listen, having that story there, yeah, that's that's that story that's gonna hold like be with you for a lifetime. And it's those experiences that help, you know, with stage presence and all that stuff now. Do you know what I mean? Because you've done it for a long time. Some people are great on social media, but stage presence mm-hmm. is non-existent. Non-existent. They're not about. But for the fact that you've been able to do it for such a long time and be on stages and see that and take some time or even to do education, that is a great thing to see. So I'm happy. Listen, I'm just happy for you. Isn't it? I'm just happy. So Thank I say. you. <laughs> but I want to talk about one thing that you mentioned, right? That because I grew up in London for 18 years, then I went to uni, but I went to Southampton, right? Hmm. And I always say, outside of M25, which is the motorway that goes around London, yeah, it's, it's a bit shaky when it comes to certain issues. If you know what I'm talking about, which we've spoken about in this. So growing up as you know in a predominantly white area or being of mixed race heritage, you know what I mean? People are going to look at you, they're going to say you're black, they're going to say you're white, are they? So mm. how was that experience growing up and how has that affected any of the music that you've done or your personal experiences for today? It's weird because it's like growing up as a kid, I think because I was, I'm like the reverse mixed race, if you like. So my dad's white and my yeah. mom's black. So it's like, um, it was weird because I think that when you've got like a white dad and you live in a white area and like, for example, you know, white men love pubs. Like yeah. so my dad was always in the pub. So it's like everybody knew my dad and everyone would know me. Yeah. So it was like because of that and they'd know that I was the kid who sang. So I never really experienced it until I got older. Like yeah. when I was probably about 15, there's like another area not too far from me, which is okay. again, like really, it's like, it's like an elitist area. It's like, I don't know. It's like the Chelsea of like Birmingham. Mad. And it, I remember, like, um, I was around there because a few of my friends lived there, and I got kicked out of shops and stuff, like, and I'd get followed around. Right. And it was weird because it was, like, growing up like that, especially, like, in my own area was normal, like, for me, because I never experienced it here. And yeah. then I'd move out, and then I would have that weird energy. But it's, it, I definitely think that, truth be told, I think that, that more people have become more racist since like, this whole Black Lives Matter thing. It's, like, literally oh, yeah. the other day, it's like I was I went to the pub for the first time with like a couple of my mates. Yeah. And it was like I was getting sharked at, like literally by old men like staring at me like and you could right. you know and you can tell when people yeah, are, like, it's that look, it's look that look. It's not like, oh, what are they doing? It's like, what are they doing? Yeah. About like the whole Black Lives Matter thing. It's like it was like it showed to me like how closetedly racist a lot of people actually are, like mm-hmm. around here. And it's like people said stuff about like to my brother about me and like us like it was just weird and, it, and I don't know but I think truthfully that I've in Birmingham I don't think that the whole racist thing's that bad like central Birmingham because there's a lot of black people yeah, like yeah. the surrounding areas of Birmingham is predominantly black um but yeah growing up growing up was all right but then you would experience it every now and then and then it was just it was just a weird one but I yeah. think when you want to go into like the whole conversation of racism, it's like you only have to think about America. Like, and that's, that's just the truth of it. Like, and I'm talking from personal experience. Like I was in America for like two months and I've never experienced that much racism. Mm -hmm. Like 
I would have people say things to me. People refuse me in entry in shops. People refuse to give me more, like my change. Mm. People just, I had it all. Like, and I was only there for two months. And I just thought to myself, I was like, honestly, I, I, I have so much respect for every single black person who lives in America and deals with that day in, day yeah. out. Because I don't know how I would cope with that. Like truth be told, because it was, it was like surreal to me to have to do that yeah. like for two months. And then these people live that for their whole life. Yeah. So it's like, it's crazy. So I can only really talk upon like what I've experienced, but in England, I, I don't know. I just think, I think that I think the, the problem with racism in England is that a lot of people don't even realize that they're actually being racist. And I think that that's the truth of it all. Like I, I, without going into too much detail, like I have like, well, my grandmother passed away, but my dad's grandmother was, an old she was grown up in the war like traditional yeah. traditional british yeah. white people like that's it is what it is the windrush came they didn't want that and so we eat i'm not saying i ever had like necessarily that but it was like bigoted things like for example like she would call me and my brother like colored and stuff like that which was a bit weird it, it gets, yeah, yeah. Grandkids, like and we used to say like you're nan, you can call us black like, yeah, yeah. Oh, but, I guess. I've, had, I've had to do that a couple of times myself and be like, yo, it's black. Yeah. Just, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, yeah. it's weird. And I think it's just, I've experienced stuff like that, but I would never really go as far as to say, like, I've ever had, like, any, like, taunting other than when I was in America. Yeah. yeah. And, like, but yeah, I just think that the majority of it is, truthfully, I think the majority of racism in England is the lack of education of people. I yeah. think people refuse to be educated on it because a lot of people in England believe that they're right about things. Like take, for example, during in Bristol when they pulled down that statue. Yeah, that was like, Everyone was screaming, oh my God, it's it's all these black people. The black people are doing it. But when you look at the photos, there's one black person yeah. and the rest of them were all white people. And my thing, when people said this to me, I said, how many black people do you know that carry ropes? Like fam, do you want to tell me? Because yeah, I never seen a black person with camping ropes. Listen, trust me. I don't know that many black people that go camping. So you know I've never been camping. <laughs> I said this. I'm like, yo, who? What, how many black people do you know that have go camping for starters, carry ropes just on a casual? I just um, pulled out statues on a bad thing. Don't really happen, does it? <laughs> but, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's, it's just. It just. Joy you know is like you said. It's. It's that kind of unwritten thing. It's a lot of it is swept under the carpet in the UK and up until you know the Black Lives Matter topic came up again a couple of months ago people just didn't want to hear it and a lot of people felt isolated in their own pockets because you might have said to your mm. friends oh did you see that and they're like yeah that's a bit mad you know but anyway and yeah. that that that's the part that hurts the most because it's like you see it but you don't see it if you know what I'm saying yeah that was that's exactly what it is about England with racism it's like everyone sees it but no one sees it like mm. everybody doesn't look at it the way that it should be looked at and it's like like i my management team's based out in like canada and jamaica okay. and they always say to me they're like yo england uh, they're like you don't realize that eventually england's gonna crack with this racism thing because it's the same it's like everything like how you spoke earlier about like if i had a big song that goes big in america and then trickles over like a uh, young team bugsy yeah it's the same thing the culture trickles over the, the Black Lives Matter thing, yeah, we did the protests, but truthfully, and I'm talking as this as a black person because I would classify myself as a black person because as far as I'm concerned, like, you don't look at me and say, oh, he's white because I'm not a white passing mixed race pe person, which there is, but 
I don't see any major significant changes in England right now. And it's like there was only one that could have been done. And I, that was the one thing that I've been screaming for. Like when I was saying to people like this is what if, if I had the, the platform and the power, this is what I would like fight for. There needs to be a refor- reformation of the education system. Yeah. That's all that needs to happen in England. Yeah. Because if that happens, you teach me from a young age, like, yo, this is what happened, da 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 da, then that's calm. It's like the truth of the matter is, is this is that the only piece of black British history that we ever got taught, what I ever got taught, was about um, Mary Seacole. And that was only in one yeah. lesson. And she's she was Jamaican. Yeah. Like, that was the closest thing to British. Because technically, and it's like the Windrush, it's like this is why the Windrush thing was so crazy because anyone born before like 1962 is technically a British citizen. Yeah. So it's like, it doesn't make sense. But we got taught about like Florence Nightingale and my na- I told my nan and my nan was kissing her teeth and everything she was cussing. Because mm. she was like, well, what about Florence? Um, what about Mary Seacole? And I, I went to school and I was like, well, what about Mary Seacole? And yeah. it was only because I was physically asking was why they taught it. Yeah, yeah. Taught it. Because that's what I'm saying. I've never... I, obviously, I know who she is and stuff, but it was always Florence Nightingale. It was always that. Yeah. And there's so much, like, British history, because the other part of British history, which counts as kind of, like, black history, would be Britain's always made to seem like it was the, like, abolitioners of the slave trade. Like, they mm-hmm. never participated no. in it and stuff like that. That's the kind of role that we see. And there needs to be a reformation yeah. of, of the education system because as much mm-hmm. as things might look magnificent because you've come in and you've conquered this country and stuff. You did a lot worse. Yeah. No one told you to be in there. 100%. In the first place. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like it's incredible. It's incredible. Like the fact that it's not been taught, like the same way, like this is one thing I must say about America. At least they teach about slavery. Like slavery is spoken about in America. Yeah. I'm not saying that it's a good thing that it ever happened. Cause it's not, it's awful. It should never have happened, mm. but at least they don't, they don't neglect the fact that it happened. Whereas in England, they literally neglect the fact that English people had anything to do with it. Yeah. Like I remember being sat there in a history lesson in like year nine mm-hmm. and talking about like the slave trade. And I'm, and they're talking about all of these Spanish people and all of these people. And they never mentioned one British person. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, hang on a second. You know. I'm like, I know for a fact that the Scottish were involved because my family's surname is Scottish. Like yeah. my mum's maiden name is Scottish. Yeah, yeah. Like, and we trace that back. So I know for a fact that there were Scottish people involved. Yeah. And the same way with Derby, same Derby comes from Derby in England. Yeah. There's a reason why Derby is the name in Jamaica. Yeah, like yeah. it doesn't, and it's like, they don't teach it. Like it's not taught. And that's the only thing that needs to change in England. That's the first thing that has to change yeah. before anything. There needs to be that because how can you ever go forward trying to have these conversations with people about racism if people don't even know what they're standing for and what they're screaming for? Because the truth of the matter is the only way that we as black people can learn is if we educate ourselves. Yeah. But then we go to school and we learn about all this foolishness with smallpox and, you know, all these diseases and the white, the plague and that, but we don't get taught about our history and then they call it Black History Month, but they teach us about Rosa Parks and um, Malcolm X and Martin Luther King, which is important. Don't get me wrong. Like that's important for us to know. Yeah. But what about our history? It's not history of Black British people. We don't get taught that. I think there's that guy. I can't remember if he's from the UK or the US. I think his name's Oluda Equiano, I think. But I can't remember. I studied history at university and it's been a minute. So I think he was, he was British. And it's stuff like that where it's, it's only when you go out and find it for yourselves that it gets yeah. touched upon. But then you think the counter to that, I'm going to play devil's advocate because I think it's, it's good to sometimes, is that 
the black population or the black and ethnic minority population in the UK is so small. Why mm-hmm. should why should we teach it to like somewhere in a small village where there is no black people? Why should we teach it? Because it's it, it's equally as important as everything else to know. It's like mm-hmm. the same same could go for the argument as why did they teach Pythagoras' theorem? Like oh, I, I never that. used that. I hated that. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. algebra. When I've never been in as doing said, well, if this is what's X? X then, yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's never happened. <laughs> so it's like if you want that argument, then yeah, like that's it's more than it's more than welcome. Mm. But I think that the biggest problem is this is that that was a petition, you know, for the reformation of history in England, yeah. and it actually got thrown out by the government. The government said no. The yeah. education secretary said nah, not doing that. And I, I mean, think that that more than anything is a huge problem. And then you look at like our our leader, like Boris Johnson. Like, mm. let me not speak. Look at the things that literally that's our leader. That's the guy that's in charge of us, right? Mm-hmm. My man. Look at the things he literally said. Like, I get that everyone says stuff at a point in your life and you're like, yo, okay, like, probably should never have said that. Yeah. But this man is in power of a country of however many millions and he's shouting all of this and saying all of that and talking about black people with watermelon smiles and calling them, like, coons and stuff. It's like, yeah, yeah. It's like, like what? Like, how, how is this man fit to be leading us? But all I'm saying, I'd rather him than me because I wouldn't want to do it. I would not want to be in that position of power yeah. at all because there's so many things when it comes to politics that, that has to be like dealt with and I'm not a politician. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, mm. I've never claimed to be one, never want to be one. Yeah. But all I know is I'd love to see a black one in my lifetime. Love to see a black prime minister. That's yeah. what I would, like. I'd love to see that. Do you know what, right? I, think, I thought this maybe when Obama was coming to the end of his one, and I was mm-hmm. like, is it, is it too soon for the UK? And I was like, yeah, it is. I, yeah, I, it's definitely yeah, it's too definitely, soon. It's, I don't think it's going to happen until, what are we in, 2020? In your lifetime? Yeah, in my you, lifetime. I reckon yeah, yeah. I'll probably have a grand. I reckon that like, if not got kids, yeah. I, reckon, I reckon when I have kids, probably when I'm like, maybe like mid-40s, I reckon then maybe we might be ready for that conversation. I, from my personal opinion, I think if we had a black leader, I genuinely think it would be a case of a token black person. Oh and yeah, England's yeah, just yeah. not ready for that yet. It's, it's not ready for that yet. Like yeah. I, America, I mean, what black people make up? I think it's like thirteen percent of America, yeah. like the American population, which I mean is a lot, but it's not at the same time. But it's like, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I really don't know. I think mm. England's not ready for that. I think in the UK, I, I think it's something less than that anyway. So yeah, it must be. Got to yeah. be. It's got. The thing is. Pretty much only the black people that live in cities as well. If you think about mm. it, like you're not really gonna yeah. go around to like villages and find oh no, it's, it's one family or it's one person. Yeah, you know I mean? yeah. So, and then they're extremely wealthy. They're normally like someone who made money like from like where they're from. Like take for example, like if you're from like Ghana, they yeah. made money in Ghana and then they moved here for this life. Yeah. Or they made money in the Caribbean or whatever. It's not normally a case of of them being wealthy in a city. And then moving out. That's never the case. They normally end up in a penthouse. Yeah, like yeah. That's that's just how it is. Like, and it's like it's incredible. Like, I don't know if you've seen the uh, the series I May Destroy You. I haven't. I haven't. Netflix. But it, uh, no, it's on BBC. Okay, I'll check it out. I'll check but it out. It's uh, from the girl who made chewing gum, and it's okay. like the just the, the the casting of it, like the fact that she uses these black people. Like, there's so many black people in it, mm. but it's like there's one guy who's like a top banker, and it's like to see like the lifestyle that his geezer lives is like what we need as black people to have mm. that 
that aim. It's like the same way for Americans to see Obama in presidency was like the thing that a lot of black people needed to be like, yo, that's not off the cards because I don't know about you, but I don't know the last time I saw a a high black British representation on TV. I'll be honest. I mean, Uh, it was that one program, Noughts and Crosses, but that was fictional. But that was recent anyway. And it's like, we don't have that representation. Exactly. Mm. We don't have that representation like as black people. That's why when it comes to like media and mainstream music, that's why I want to be able to make that change. It's like, we have it in the music, like with people like Dave, like look at Dave at the Brits yeah. and people like that. Like we have those people in real life, yeah. but it's also about showing it in every walk of life. Mm-hmm. I think that that's what's important. There needs to be more leaders. There needs more black leaders and especially more black female leaders because I know I was raised by a single black mother and all I'm saying is it's like on my, my management team is like predominantly female because I yeah. said to my manager, I'm like, yo, if one black woman can get me here, imagine what a team of them could do. Mm. And that's that's my thing. It's like if one that's black powerful, woman yeah. can raise all these kids, imagine what a team of them could do. That's, yeah, yeah. that's how my MO is and that's how I stand with it. I mean, that's that's not powerful when you said that. Because I deep down, I'm pretty much the same as you. So, yeah. <laughs> that yeah, hit. It, that it hit. Is, yeah. What it is. Like, it's... And it's like, this is why for me, like, for example, it's like, I, when I was out in New York, we were discussing um, music videos. Mm. The conversation would always lead to like, yo, let's put this here and this there. And I, I was so adamant, I said this, I said, listen, I said, there is no way that I'm sexualizing a black woman in my music video. Mm. I have a black mother, I have a black grandmother, I have black cousins. I'm, my, my little cousin's like my little sister. I'm not allowing them to grow up seeing that that's normal for me to be mm. sexualizing them. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, no. It's like, you can't, lead, you have to lead by example. You can't do something and then change it. Yeah. That's why I say it's so important for these black women to be like, shown, especially black women of all colors, like whether they're mm. Asian, whether they're, you know, any kind of anything. Yeah. yeah when it, listen, we've had a whole political interview to the side as well in this whole talk but I want to bring it back to you let's get let's get to let's get to the close because we've got in we've had a proper deep conversation so I've learned a few <laughs> things I hope we've had a good conversation on your side too but yeah 100% but um for the rest of the year it's lockdown obviously you dropped the song you dropped the song about a month ago so yeah had music from you this year I don't know if there's gonna be a second wave you know people be out here going pub beach and eat out card every single August Monday to Wednesday I don't know what's gonna be going on in the UK for the rest of the year but it's gonna be interesting. Yeah, what are we saying from you? Are we gonna get? We obviously we've got this silver bullet, as you said, silver bullet on the way. But are we gonna get anything else? Are we getting a project? What's your thought process for the rest of this year? Um. Well, I mean, we got the news the other day that live performances can happen as of the eleventh, which was three days ago. Um, okay. Not that there's anything booked for me yet, but when I'm allowed to, that's I definitely know for a fact I'm just gonna get straight back on the road. Um, there's definitely more music to come this year mm-hmm. i'm not i'm not calming down when it comes to that because i'm always making as well so it's not like i'm using what i have like yeah. there's already space for things to happen um but yeah it will be interesting it'll be very interesting for the rest of this year because i think it's so weirdly like written off but yet it's still kind of happening so yeah. we still got, we still we'll got have like, to see what happens we still got a whole half half a year left exactly pending, exactly pending madness because this year's been mm. long enough already. So you've still got enough time to, to do something and hit the road. I would say be be calm about hitting the road. Don't just jump on the road because you know there's reckless people out there that might have the, the one-two cough or the one-two sneeze. Yeah. And they're in the front row 
you're singing baby oh wow your mouth bare wide open and someone's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, not trying to put you off yeah don't like quiver the high notes now after that but <laughs> oh gosh that's why you gotta be careful that's why you gotta make sure that you mm. go out at the right time and especially i mean it's probably gonna be uk uk stuff because us we're not gonna be able to get in anyway nah that's that's gonna be rough for the rest of the, especially like I mean, they only had their spike like yesterday, like in Florida. Mm. So it's like, that's, we're like, however many weeks ahead of them, like what, like almost like two months ahead of them. So it's yeah. like, and then by the time two months time is going to be the start of the winter season. I mean, it won't, it'll be like fall, but it's when the, the weather changes, when everyone starts to get ill. Mm. So it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a weird one. But all I know is, is that as a team, yeah, like, there's so much that's already in place for us to do. There's so much there ready to go. So it's going to be interesting to see what we can do, what we can't do. Um, but there's definitely always going to be music released this year. There'll definitely be more released this year, 100%. Listen, I'm looking forward to hearing them. I'm going to go back and uh, play some of the other tunes. Obviously, I'm going to be supporting it like I have been doing before. I appreciate your time today as well, by the way. Yeah, likewise. Thank you for having me. Honestly, I appreciate it. It was no. worth getting up for. Well, you just woke up. Wow. Wow. Listen, that rock star lifestyle, you know. I nah, get... listen, because my management team based in like in Canada. So okay. like I go to bed at like dorm time. So like okay, I was fair. like, yo, I know I got this interview. So worth it. Like, okay, thank cool. you for having me. Honestly, thank you for having me. Nah, no worries, man. Listen, when the album comes out, when we get further down the line and we see what the landscape is of the year, like we said, let's do this again. Let's talk about some more stuff in it because. Yeah, 100%. I'm down. Yeah, definitely learned a lot. But I'm going to let you say the final words for all the people that are listening and watching right now. So what you, what you got to say to the people? I hope everyone's all good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you on the spot. Staying yeah. safe. Yeah, profit and listen to my music. So if you find me on like Instagram, my, my social is official Vincent Darby. My website is also the same. Um, Spotify, Apple Music, Tidal, uh, Amazon. I don't discriminate. So if any one of them want to partner with me, on my way um but yeah my music's all the, there vincent darby and i hope to see everyone soon when the world kind of fixes itself <laughs> hope that everyone's good so yeah that's for me there we go that's the interview done Peace. life's better with american family insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind save up to 25 percent by bundling home auto and life American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Hey, are you a super fan of Taylor Swift, Jelly Roll, or Morgan Wallen? Are you that song nerd who likes to dive into every little lyric of every little song and figure out what everything means? Do you want to take that a bit further, though? Because I have a podcast called Songwriter Soup, and it dives into the journey of a songwriter and how those people help craft the soundtrack of your life. I'm Laura Veltz, and I'm bringing all of my friends together to discuss our funny little job writing for all of your favorite artists. Listen to Songwriter Soup wherever you get your podcasts.